0: Thursday, July 11th, 2013, episode number 53, the Football Nation Today podcast with Alex Reamer on footballnation.com. The Football Nation Today podcast hosted by yours truly, Alex Reamer, here on this Thursday, July 11th, 2013. Yes, you heard me correctly. It is a Thursday. I know, shows normally published on Wednesdays, but we had a last-minute schedule change this week. So we're coming at you this Thursday. And in just a mere two weeks, believe it or not, NFL training camps will open up, which means we'll go back to our weekly schedule, of course, throughout the off-season months, show has been published every other Wednesday, but beginning next time we speak, two weeks from now, training camps open up. We'll be back on our weekly Wednesday schedule. But there is never a dull moment in the world of sports, especially in the National Football League. Certainly applies to Aaron Hernandez and the ongoing story there. We're going to address a couple of questions that most people have asked and talked about over the past number of days. Questions are number one. Should the Patriots have seen a situation like this coming with Hernandez, given his checkered past and his previous run-ins with the law? And then, now that it's happened, should this change the way the Patriots operate? Do they have to stop taking risks on guys with lengthy rap sheets, which they have done quite frequently over the past number of years? We'll talk about that in the first down segment. Then the second down segment, we'll take a look at the Denver Broncos and a move they've decided to make this week, disappointing two of its front office executives who are facing DUI charges. Director of pro personnel, Tom Heckert. Director of player personnel, Matt Russell. Now Heckert got arrested in June. Broncos are just disappointing him now because Russell recently got bagged to the DUI. Not exactly proactive. In fact, former center Tom Naylan said the Broncos are cowards because they weren't proactive with Heckert and are only disappointing him and Russell to save face. But on the other side of the equation, this now sets the precedent for suspending guys or team employees who get charged with DUIs. So the precedent is now set. And regardless of how it's set, aren't we glad it's now here? So we'll debate that in the second down segment. Third down segment, it's a big upper slowdown. Taking a look at questions such as Matthew Stafford's three-year extension, whether or not that is a good deal for the Lions. Talking about another quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, in the controversy this week as he was spotted wearing a Dolphins hat on the 4th of July. Did Kaepernick make a mistake? And then Danelle Ellerby, linebacker for the Dolphins, said the Patriots are vulnerable with Hernandez and the injury to Rob Gronkowski and all the changes they've undergone and turmoil they've undergone this offseason. Is he right? Is the AFC East, for the first time in a long time, going to be up for grabs this season? And the fourth down segment, it's a Reamer rant. Quick rant this week, but when NFL training camp starts, that means hard knocks and HBO begins. The Bengals, for the second time, will be profiled, and I could not be more bored. And frankly, upset with this decision. It's Football Nation today, episode number 53. My name is Alex Reamer. We'll be back. So welcome back, Football Nation. Today, it is our first down segment. And of course, this week, as we did two weeks ago, Aaron Hernandez is a story everyone is talking about, and for good reason, arrested for murder, and various other gun-related charges two Wednesdays ago. Patriots released him the day he was arrested. They put out a brief statement that read, Releasing Hernandez was simply the right thing to do. It has since come out that the Patriots didn't know or say they didn't know Hernandez was going to be arrested for murder at the time of the release. I don't, I don't believe that. Quite frankly, Patriots insist that they just thought it would maybe be an obstruction of justice charge. They didn't know the extent of the charges. They didn't know the extent of Hernandez's involvement with the case. Whereas Robert Kraft said when he spoke to the media for the first time earlier this week, Patriot players involved so closely to a murder where he's arrested, where he's arrested in connection with the crime. They felt it was the right thing to do with release to release him. But again, Patriots are pretty plugged in. I believe they had an inkling that the murder charge was going to come down on Hernandez. But regardless, they released him, acted proactively in that regard, and deserve a lot of credit for doing so. Patriots also deserve credit for an event they had last Saturday at Gillette Stadium where fans could trade in their Hernandez jerseys at the team gift shop. And the team supposedly uh, reportedly lost well over $200,000. At this given, but it was the right thing to do. And each and every day, seemingly each and every hour, more updates and more news breaks with this story and with Hernandez's past. And when talking about his past and knowing why he really dropped in the draft in 2010, it wasn't just the weed, it wasn't just a possible, you know, positive drug test. I mean, that was the least of Hernandez's problems now that we look back on it. The question is, could the Patriots have seen this coming? Could they have seen something like this coming with Aaron Hernandez? Did they get what they deserved here? And I say no. You can never see murder coming. You can't look at somebody in society and point your finger at him or her and say, that person going to be a murderer, going to be involved in a murder case, going to be arrested in connection with a murder case. I can feel it. Because nothing leads to murder. You have people talking about, Possible drug problems. You have people talking about tattoos. Maybe some possible gang affiliations. Some incidents. Hernandez got into when he was in college. People are pointing their fingers at a lot of things. And highlighting a lot of things. And saying, oh, see, see? Red flag, red flag, red flag. How come the Patriots didn't know this den? Or if they did know this den, why did they ignore it? Why did they draft this guy? Well, they obviously took a risk on him. Hernandez did fall in the fourth round because of questions about his character, but I, I just say you can't predict murder. You can't draw you can't draw a line between event A and murder. It just it doesn't work like that. Now Hernandez was questioned about a murder at a bar while he was attending the University of Florida, but Gainesville police cleared his name in that investigation. So the Patriots took the police at their word. Hernandez was his name was cleared. May have been wrong place, wrong time there. According to the police, that is what happened. They can't be overly cynical where you're second-guessing the police, right? Cleared his name, they cleared his name. And again, I'm not saying the Patriots didn't take a risk on Hernandez. They did, they took a big one. But I just don't see who can draw the connection and draw the lines between anything Hernandez may have done in the past and murder and being arrested in, you know, being arrested in connection with a murder case. Now it's, Obvious, hindsight's 2020, that the Patriots made a mistake signing Hernandez to the $40 million extension last August. It's also obvious Robert Kraft was, as he phrased it when he spoke to reporters on Monday, duped by Hernandez. And the more you hear about Hernandez and his demeanor in the locker room, Matt Light saying a few weeks ago that he never stood for what Aaron Hernandez was about or never supported what Hernandez was about. A vague statement, but a statement that tells you some of his teammates may have known who he was who he was affiliating himself with, some of the activities he was participating in off the field. But Kraft said that Hernandez was always respectful, he was always polite, uh, very humble around the team facilities. And that's classic sociopath or psychopathic behavior, it is. Living two lives. And the news that came out that he was maybe involved in that double homicide last July, a month before, the Patriots signed him to the $40 million extension, and this guy was a sociopath. It's The more that comes out, the more you can read that as a factual conclusion. Uh, but Hernandez did a great job duping Kraft and duping this Patriots organization. And I think the Pats took a risk on him. But again, it's difficult to make that leap. I think someone is going to be involved in a murder or murders. I just... I just don't think it's fair to pin this on the Patriots and blame them for not projecting this. I don't think you can project it. Now, the other question is, should the Patriots change the way they operate after this Hernandez situation? Will they change the way they do business, acquire players? It's obvious the Patriots are willing to take on guys with sketchy pasts. You look... At who they've acquired over the past couple years, Hernandez first and foremost. They got Alfonso Dennard, cornerback drafted two years ago in the seventh round, dropped in the draft because he assaulted a police officer before the draft. I mean, the guy is a talented player, played well in his rookie season. Dennard did fell to the seventh round. The entire league passed on him, but yet the Patriots took him. They took a guy in Brandon Spikes who has some off-field character questions. Akib Tlaib, they acquired last November, has one of the longest rap sheets in the league, which is filled with violent crimes. So people look at this pattern with the Patriots and say Robert Kraft, as owner, needs to restore the high moral standards this Patriots franchise supposedly once stood for. Now, I'm not sure what era these people are talking about. I know in 1996, they drafted Christian Peters and Myra Kraft, Robert's late wife, Walked the, the draft pick because Peters was involved in a violent crime. But that was 1996. That was a long time ago. That was three head coaches ago. It was Bill Parcells. Completely different era. Under the Belichick era, the Patriots have always taken on guys with sketchy pasts. Corey Dillon. Ty Law got arrested a couple of times. Brian Cox, a veteran and key part of the 2001 Super Bowl team. So I don't know what era people are referring to, at least under Belichick since 2000, when the Patriots stood for all these high moral standards, but should they change their ways? Should Kraft now step in? Well, let me pose this question to you. What if it came out that the owner blocked a football uh, transaction that could help the team win games because he's standing on a moral high ground? What if it came out last November at the time The conventional wisdom was the Patriots were a cornerback away from becoming real Super Bowl contenders. Their putrid pass defense was what was holding them back from making a deep playoff run. So they acquired Tlaib, the best cornerback on the market. What if it came out last November near their trade deadline? The Patriots had this deal to acquire Tlaib from Tampa Bay, the so-called missing piece for another Super Bowl run. But yet the owner, Robert Kraft, blocked the move because he's standing on a moral high ground. Would fans be happy with that? I don't think so. I don't think fans would have been happy if it came out the owner of a team overruled the head coach on a football move. I mean, just look at the roster right now. You still have two cornerbacks in Tlaib and Dennard who have sketchy pasts. Both of them, history with violent crime. Should the Patriots release both of them right now? Should they cut Dennard? Should they cut Tlaib? If they've truly changed their ways and you truly want them to change their ways, shouldn't they do that? And if they did do that, would you be pleased if Kyle Arrington was a number one corner in week one? I don't think the fans would be pleased. I don't think you would be pleased. I think it's the cost of doing business in the NFL. Unfortunately, it's too bad. But it's the right re- but it's the reality. You have to take on guys. With these kind of bat with these kinds of backgrounds if you want a, f- a field a winning team and you talk about the patriot way, the patriot way is really more of a myth than anything else. first of all, it has nothing to do with the head coach Bill Belichick, who's also the general manager and thus in charge of all aspects of the football operations. The patriot way to Belichick has always been about football character, nothing about off the field character and hernandez. Had high football character. Last year, Belichick always said he had the best training camp of anyone on the team. Always a hard worker. Got the playbook instantly. I mean, they gave him $40 million last August. I think they let Les Welker go this offseason over a mere $2 million, largely because they projected Hernandez to take a lot of his snaps in the middle as, as the slot receiver. Remember, Hernandez got paid more money than Rob Gronkowski, I believe. So Hernandez was paid more like a receiver than a tight end. They had big, big plans for this guy. So the Patriot way has everything to do with football character, nothing to do with off-field character. And people say, well, the Patriot way is dead. It doesn't have a lot of mystique anymore. Well, I don't think the Patriots have as much mystique anymore because they haven't won a Super Bowl in nine years. I think that's why. The Patriots won a, win a Super Bowl this year or the year after that. I think the mystique is back. The Patriot way is back. When was the era where there was Patriot, wait, 2001 through 2004? What happened in 01 through 04? Three Super Bowls in four years. Now, the piling on here is understandable. A lot of commentators around the league, a lot of players and people around the league are talking about the Patriots saying, oh, we couldn't believe they drafted Hernandez when they did, and he wasn't even on our draft boards, and... We would never make a move like this, never involved ourselves with these kind of guys. The Patriots crossed the line, they went too far, and the piling on is understandable because the Patriots are a dislikable organization. And when this, these kind of things happen dislikable organizations, dislikable people, dislikable ent- entities, people pile on. I mean, but still, the, po- so it's, the piling on is understandable, but it's also hypocritical. I mean, Bill Pullian... Has been running his mouth all week on any media outlet he can, you know, get his grubby hands on. And in case he forgot, he's the one who drafted Ray Carruth in the first round years back. Who, by the way, also got charged with murder. Uh, The Bengals saying they wouldn't even look at Hernandez. Took him completely off their board. Well, okay. I mean, they're the same team that still employs Pac-Man Jones, who has the longest rap sheet in the league. It's not even close. So the Patriots are just like everyone else. And, you know, maybe some Patriots fans thought they were uh, that their team was better. And they wrongly thought that, because the Patriots are not better than anyone else in the league. They're like every other team, every other organization. And if you don't want to take on guys with character problems, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to win a lot of football games. And maybe the Patriots' number one priority from now on shouldn't be winning football games. Maybe it should be acquiring high-character guys with clean track records, no risk, and be content going 7-9 every year. And maybe fans will be happy with that. I don't know. I just don't think so. I think a lot of 6-10 and 10 football, 7-9 football would get tiring for a lot of people. So it's easy now in the aftermath of Fernandez to get upset, and I understand that, and I'm upset as well. Obvious the Patriots made a mistake on him. But remember, hindsight is 20-20. And if you don't want guys with character problems, you're not going to win. If this team cuts Tlaib, cuts Dennard, cuts Brandon Spikes, you know, what are they? They're a much cleaner football team. But I think they're a football team that doesn't win nearly as many games without those guys as they do with those guys. So the Hernandez story continues to take on many more chapters, undoubtedly, when we talk in two more weeks. Next show, we'll revisit the story. I'm sure new developments will have broken out. Now, in the second down segment, we talk about the biggest off-field NFL stories of the past week. I know Hernandez is also an off-field story, but it ties a lot on the field, too, which is why we did that in the first down segment. Here in the second down segment today, let's talk about the Denver Broncos. They are disciplining two team executives who are facing drunken driving charges. Director of Pro Personnel Tom Heckert and Director of Player Personnel Matt Russell have been suspended, and lengthy bans are possible involving both of those men. Now, on face value, at face value, this looks like a great move for the Broncos, except Heckert was charged in June with DUI, and is only being disciplined now because Russell was recently charged with DUI, and the Broncos have to do something, or they look beyond bad. Former Broncos center Tom Nalen, who hosts a sports talk radio show out in Denver, criticized the Broncos this week for not being proactive on this. As I said, Heckard was arrested in June, and only after Russell was recently arrested did the Broncos take action to make all this public, didn't even make Heckard's arrest public at the time. So does Naylan have a point. He called the Broncos cowards in one of his tweets this week. He's called them out for not being proactive only acting because they have to. Is he right? Well, you know, in a lot of situations, teams and organizations don't act unless they have to. And it's not right, but it's a reality. And we don't live in a utopia. I mean, just like at the Patriots with Hernandez. My point is, the precedent has now been set with the Broncos, and you would hope for the rest of the league that now DUIs, are suspendable offenses as they should be. By the way, if marijuana use, recreational marijuana use at that, is a suspendable offense, so should DUI, and at staggeringly high levels. Which reportedly, Heckard and uh, Russell both blew huge numbers on the breathalyzer. But as I said, the precedent has now been set, and isn't that a good thing? That DUIs will now be punishable. I mean, at the end of the day, who cares how it was set, right? As long as it was set. Getting pulled over with a DUI is not okay. And the Broncos are taking a step forward and disciplined two members of their front office who haven't involved in DUI. And do they deserve some criticism for not acting proactively with Heckard in June? Of course they do. It is kind of cowardly. And you have to wonder if they're doing this for the right reasons or doing this because they have to. And yeah, they're probably doing this because they have to. But most organizations, unfortunately, guess that's the word of the day, huh? Unfortunately, a lot of organizations only act, only discipline when they have to for public relations purposes. But now the precedent has been set. No Bronco can ever get charged with a DUI and not get suspended. And you would think around the league, front office executives or players. Can't get charged with DUIs without being suspended or being disciplined because then you'd look at the Broncos, who, yeah, may have taken them a while to do it, but they did do it. So the precedent has been set. I'm happy for it. And at the end of the day, I don't really care how it was set. Third down segment. It's our big up or slow down segment. I say a statement and express my agreement or disagreement with that statement by saying big up or slow down. Topic number one. Lions signed quarterback Matthew Stafford to a three-year contract extension this week, worth $53 million in total, $41.5 million guaranteed. Big up or slow down, is this a good deal for the Lions and a good deal for Stafford? I say big up. This is a good deal for the Lions and a good deal for Stafford. He's now signed through 2017. Still had two more years left on his original deal. And remember, Stafford was signed to his rookie contract before the new CBA. He was handed $41.7 million, guaranteed, when he signed his rookie deal. That it shows you how out of whack the pay scale was for rookies, right? Thankfully, that's come back down. Stafford took a pay cut, in a sense. Slightly less guaranteed money in his second contract than his rookie contract. I know, it's only 200 grand, but still, unbelievable. But I say it's a good deal because, yeah, it's a nice chunk of change, but it's the going rate for a quarterback. Get the contract extension signed this offseason. Joe Flacco, $120 million overall, outshines him all. But Tony Romo, $55 million guaranteed. And if you ask yourself the question, just looking at the Romo extension and the Stafford extension, which quarterback has a better chance of leading his team deep into the playoffs, Romo or Stafford, I would choose Stafford, as I think a lot of us will because Stafford is still very young. He's only going to be 29 when the deal expires in 2017. So the Lions now can see if Stafford can grow into a franchise-caliber quarterback. And you need one to win consistently at a high level in this league. And the Lions feel like they might have a franchise-caliber quarterback in Stafford. He regressed a little bit in 2012 after his stellar 2011 campaign. So we'll see what he does here in 2013. And if you think you have that franchise guy, you have to sign him up as the Lions have signed up Stafford. Now, another quarterback was in the news this week, but not because of a contract extension. Colin Kaepernick was in the news because he wore the wrong hat. Kaepernick was spotted wearing a Dolphins hat on July the 4th last Thursday. Of course, he is a San Francisco 49er. It is not cool to wear another team's hat. Huge controversy. Blew up Twitter blew up the internet. You would think Justin Bieber was involved. So on Monday, what did Kaepernick do? He Instagrammed a picture of him in a 49ers hat on Monday to reaffirm his devotion to his club. Big up or slow down. I'm not going to ask, is this an overreaction? Because of course it's an overreaction. At the end of the day, who cares what hat a player wears? But that's too easy, so let's ask the tougher question here on Football Nation today. Big up or slow down, did Kaepernick make a mistake? All right, and my answer here is yes. I do feel as if Kaepernick made a mistake here, made a slight miscalculation. Not a massive mistake, but a mistake nonetheless. The outrage is ridiculous, we all agree with that, but the fact is, it's there. You have nothing to gain while wearing another team's hat. Nothing to gain at all. What are you going to get from that? You're on the 49ers. And as long as you're on the 49ers, Colin, only wear 49ers hat. Only wear 49ers merchandise in public. It's as simple as that. You have nothing to gain by wearing the merchandise, the regalia of another team. So don't do it. It was a stupid thing to do. The outrage is ridiculous. Here in our perfect world, If we did live in one, yeah, there wouldn't be outrage. People would have something better to do than worry about what hat Colin Kaepernick is wearing on July 4th. But the fact is a lot of people don't really have anything to do, and I'm not saying I'm not one of those people. So we obsess about these kinds of things. So bad move. Kaepernick, slight mistake, miscalculation, wearing the Dolphins hat. Now, final topic here. Dolphins linebacker former Raven Danell Ellerby said this week in the AFC e- that the AFC East is open and that the Patriots are vulnerable. They could no, they could uh, fall victim to the Dolphins this year and other teams in the division. Big up or slow down. Does Ellerby have a point? Well in the context of the AFC East, I still say slow down. Even with Hernandez, out of the picture. With Gronkowski out of the picture, at least to start. It is unclear how long he'll be out of the picture, but week one, week two, he will not be there, most likely. And when he does come back in the regular season, will he be 100% recovered? How effective will he be? Of course, they're without Wes Welker. Defense always has question marks. But in the context of the AFC East, I still say the Patriots are safe. The Jets suck, they're terrible. The Bills suck. They may even be worse than the Jets, if that's possible. The Dolphins made some big improvements this offseason. Ellerbe, Mike Wallace, go on down the line. But, Ryan Tannehill's unproven. We don't know how that team will work together. We know from other sports, and football in particular, you can't just sign a bunch of free agents and expect to win games instantaneously. Sometimes it's a slow slow beginning for those teams as well to get used to playing with each other. So I think the Patriots in the AFC East will be fine. Will they get a first-round bye? Maybe not. Are they vulnerable in terms of being Super Bowl contenders? Yes, I think absolutely they are. This could be a tough beginning for them as they mix in new faces with the offense, and the key is the defense. Is this year the defense progresses to be a top-ten defense? Does the defense win them some games early on? They'll have to. Haven't been able to do that for years. We'll see if it changes this season. So in terms of being Super Bowl contenders, yes, the Patriots are vulnerable, very vulnerable. But Ellerby was talking about the AFC East. In terms of the AFC East, are the Pats vulnerable? No, I still don't think they are. It's still a weak division. Now, on a side note, I do like the kind of swagger Ellerby is bringing to the Dolphins here. Of course, Super Bowl champion, won with the Ravens last year. We know the Ravens have never been afraid of the Patriots. The attitude that defense brings or brought, a lot of new faces there. We'll see them this year. So I like that LRB has some experience beating the Patriots in big games. And they can bring that down south to Miami, a team that doesn't have experience beating the Patriots really in any games, especially big ones. Recent history, I should say. Closing out the show in the fourth down segment, it's the Remarant, as I said in the opening of the show, a brief one this week, but hard knocks coming up soon. August on HBO, four weeks. They get the inside access to a team's training camp. Follow everybody around. And this year, the team that will be profiled is the drum roll, please. That was my week drum roll. The Cincinnati Bengals for the second year will be profiled on HBO's Hard Knocks. And I am angry about that pissed off about that the Bengals again really why they were just on a few years ago and they stunk hard knocks was so good with rex ryan the jets years back that you know what maybe our expectations are just too high it's obviously a very inclusive show meaning it shows you everything Most coaches don't want the cameras there, and rightfully so. So you got to get a team like the Bengals, desperate for some publicity to sign on for this. But as a viewer, even though I understand that not many teams are going to sign on, doesn't mean I have to like the fact that it's the Bengals for the second consecutive year. I mean, is there one thing you're interested in watching? Chad Johnson's gone. I mean, who's interesting on that team? Adam Pacman Jones, okay. But outside of that, who do you want to see on the Bengals? Have some good players who are going the right direction. Don't get me wrong. I think A.J. Smith's one of the best receivers in the game. But have a good young defense coming up. But is there anything interesting there? Is there anything captivating? No. So it looks like it may be a dull year of hard knocks. The second time with the Bengals. The first time was dull. And it sucks because hard knocks as a concept is a great show. Unfortunately, and it is rightfully so, but still, not a lot of great teams are willing to be profiled. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 53 of the Football Nation Today podcast, hosted by yours truly, Alex Reamer. As always, if you want to reach me via email, areamer at bu.edu is my email address. Also, feel free to send me a message on Twitter. At Alexreamer. one is my Twitter name. So long, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your upcoming weekend. We'll talk to you in two Wednesdays when NFL training camps open up for business. Seriously, once July 4th hits, summer flies by. Almost preseason. We'll talk to you in two weeks, two Wednesdays from now. Talk to you then.